0: Welcome to Live the Fuel, where we fuel your health, business, and lifestyle, and now your host, Scott Mulvaney.
1: Good day and good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back to another Live the Fuel show. So for the newer listeners, a reminder, we're here to fuel your health, your business, and your lifestyle. So I'm pretty excited. I mean, I'm usually pretty excited about podcasting in general, but I'm very excited about bringing a new guest co-host for you guys today. This gentleman is known around in my circles very well. To the newer listeners who might not understand these keywords out there of uh, LCHF, low-carb, high-fat, keto, ketogenic, ketosis, shout out to our boy Vinny Torich, NSNG, no sugar, no grains. I mean, there's a lot of different things getting tossed out there. But this gentleman is pretty well niched into uh, maybe knowing a few things about this word keto. And uh, let me give you a quick background on him. He is a professor in the Department of Molecular Pharmacology and Physiology at the University of South Florida and research scientist at the Institute for Human and Machine Cognition, IHMC. His lab develops and tests metabolic-based strategies for neurological disorders, cancer, and for enhancing safety and resilience of our military personnel in extreme environments. Hint, hint, maybe some SEALs. Maybe some other special forces. Uh, So anyway, his research, guys, it's supported by the Office of Naval Research, ONR, Department of Defense, DOD, and other private organizations and foundations. So if you haven't caught on yet, we've name dropped him before on this show. Without further ado, that's right. It is Mr. Dr. Dom Diagostino. Welcome to the show. You've got my name right perfectly. Thank I should you hope so. I've been listening to you God. on how many other people's uh. podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> so thanks for coming, uh, finally gracing Live the Fuel, man. This is exciting.
0: Thanks for having me on. I appreciate having this platform.
1: Have you about. have you ever kept track of how many podcasts you've been on? Uh, I started
0: counting. You know, I made this about a year ago. I have to add to it, but I think I had something like 87 or 89 a year or two ago. So I definitely over a hundred. Okay. Yeah, at some point, uh, maybe closer to, cause there's a lot of little ones that I missed cause I just did a search, to just like dig them up. So probably close to about 150,
1: I think. I like it. Well, yeah. I, I, I speak at a, a podcast conference every year, and something I could pass on to you because I believe in giving more than receiving is I love your site uh, ketonutrition.org, dot org, ladies and gentlemen. And actually, for our video feed because we love the YouTube world as well, I'll go ahead and share that right now. Uh, ketonutrition.org. dot org. So, have you ever thought about building that into like one of your resources on the site? Are you actually right here? Lectures, interviews, and podcasts are they all on yeah. there?
0: No, I, I I need to get some more on there. I have some of the major ones on there. Oh yeah. Uh,
1: if,
0: if there's overlap. So I actually try to pick things that if something has overlapped then I hesitate to put it on, but I try to just pick sort of the major ones. Okay. Um, and yeah, sometimes I put some other people's on there too at the end. Oh, but you've been uh, on the I,
1: HealthCast. Uh, he's been on this show as well. Actually, you've probably been on his show a couple of times, right? The guy who owns HealthCast? I think so. I think you have. Think so. he, he didn't know, he wasn't always called the Healthcast. He had a different joint podcast. Oh, God, I can't remember what it was. But anyway, I don't want to distract you. Uh, you you've been on a lot of podcasts. You do a lot of travel. Actually, a hint for uh, the listeners listening to this now this will be out in, in, in the next month, but you just got back from Australia, too. Yep, I just got back. So, and which, which conference day. were you at down there?
0: Oh man. I, uh, I went to flew into Melbourne and then went to Adelaide and then Perth and then Brisbane and then Sydney. And I just gave, I met with people and gave talks at, at all those places. I think I gave like 10 talks at least Wow, that's and then a, big lot of, a lot of Q and A's. Yeah. Yeah. There, there's a huge interest. I mean, Australia is amazing. The most keto friendly place I've ever been. The food is amazing, but
1: why do, why do you do think that us. is?
0: Well, they do. I mean, they do grow a lot of beef there, and it's all—all all of their beef is pretty much like uh, free-range, grass-fed. Uh, They—it's a very well-off place, uh, and it's—it's. It's, I found it to be very clean, very uh, easy to navigate, very livable. All the cities that I went to were, were very livable, and they have a a pretty big interest in food quality and. And uh, although there's like a plant based camp too that's growing, but the ketogenic diet community is also growing and maybe growing faster. So,
1: it's, well, it's let's fun. let's pause on that. There's a lot of this new, I mean, well, you call it vegans, vegetarians. Now everybody's using plant based because they're afraid to bring up that, you know, that polarized, uh, some of these polarized titles out there. Uh, yeah. But I mean, to be fair, there is plant based keto ways of life, right?
0: Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. And uh, part of, actually, I think our first blog article was on a plant-based ketogenic diet, the very first blog that article that we posted. Oh, wow. And since then, I've been taking a lot of notes and pulling out any studies that I can, because I realized that that's an underserved community in the clinical realm for people who uh, want to follow a ketogenic diet for epilepsy or other diseases where it's been proven for, but they lack the options because usually it's a dairy-based and, and heavy meat-based. But uh, we have kind of putting together strategies to formulate a vegetarian, which is easy, right, because you have eggs you can use and dairy, just no meats, and vegan, which is completely plant-based, which is involves a little more uh, – it probably involves some supplementation or protein uh, isolates or, or protein supplementation, but you really need to formulate the diet in sort of an engineered way.
1: Well, I mean, to be fair, isn't that one of the, I mean, basically the, the more, I call it the more aggressive, I guess the more, the more committed, the more aggressive plant-based ergo vegan way couldn't have even been pulled off, uh, until supplementation or exogenous, you know, supplements came into existence. Right. Cause one of the big biggest thing is B12.
0: It, it, it would be hard, uh, you know. I've I've communicated and with some some strict vegans, and they assure me their B12 status, but I haven't seen the blood work hmm. um, to indicate that. But yeah, it is challenging, and even the ones that the people who are very well informed on their diet will admit that a B12 supplementation is necessary. So
1: okay, so you are a big fan of uh, back. I mean, obviously, you're a doctor, you're a scientist. You're a big fan of backing things up with tests. <laughs>
0: Yeah, yeah. If someone tells me something, it's like, uh, yeah, I, I do a lot of testing. So I hadn't been sick in like like 10 years. Maybe I had a flu, no, a flu or a cold uh, over the last 10 years, maybe once or twice. And it usually uh, I lasts, what, 24 stomach. hours? Yeah, yeah. And I did get a little stomach bug on the last day there. Uh, so, I mean, my immune system is pretty, is relatively pretty strong. So I kind of fasted. <laughs> on the way back and i'm just bouncing back from that but uh but yeah i'm just i'm in that process right now of recovering from just getting back from well from it's getting,
1: it's yeah. funny we're talking about that you you basically did some fasting while traveling and it's funny cuz i'm leaving yeah. on for a couple of days of travel through upstate new york over the next uh, actually in, in a couple of days and i love to now, nowadays time my fasts or if you want to call them intermittent fast but i'm actually going with a full 48 hour supported fast cycle and i do these like quarterly and i, I started figuring that stuff out back in 2010 and experimenting mm-hmm. with it and now i was like doing it when i'm traveling is easier i don't have to worry about finding okay. restaurants to go out to and all this other stuff and people are like how do you do that while you travel i'm like well i'm only doing it stateside to be fair you just hinted that you did it while you were traveling back from australia
0: yeah i mean it does it makes it kind of easy on it makes it a little bit awkward because, you know, if you're on a, a good international carrier and they're always offering you food and you're like, no, thanks, no, thanks, you know? Yeah, like, I agree. I'll do a coffee or two in the morning before but and just maybe some tea uh, and water. But uh, yeah, I feel so much better, uh, especially traveling uh, fasted. And it's so easy to do, too. I mean, once you're adapted to burning fat and ketones for fuel as opposed to being uh, addicted or on the vicious cycle of, of feeding carbs every couple of hours. So,
1: yeah, so let, let's pause on that because obviously there's some newer listeners and maybe they're not completely dialed into all these keywords we've just hit on. We're hitting on fasting. We're hitting on keto. We're hitting on, you know, uh, meat based versus plant based. So, so let's just kind of, how do we, how can we help you've done this so many times? How can we help sum this up for people that are newer to this type of content? Sure. Well,
0: uh, I mean, the differences between the diets, like a real yeah, quick, or like, why, why, would, what is the ketogenic diet and why would people follow it? Right. So-
1: Cause I have people all the time they're like, well, do I have to fast to live ketogenic? I mean, and then I'm, I name drop people like Dr. Jason Fung. If you want to understand more about fasting, he's done a decent job writing up things. I mean, I, I learned about fasting and fasting before I even knew who Dr. Jason Fung was. Uh, but I mean, I always remind people like, well, no, you technically don't have to. I found that it helps you get you right back into that fat adapted state so I guess I guess, yeah, let's help explain some of that, this lifestyle that you and I are pretty well versed in.
0: Yeah, well, I'll explain like my personal, and I think maybe it may relate to some mm-hmm. people. Uh, you know, I grew up studying nutrition. I never heard anything I mean fasting ketogenic diets. I was they were the things to avoid at all costs, right? So I uh, went to Rutgers University. actually grew up in Allentown, uh, New Jersey. Well, I so, live in
1: Allentown, Pennsylvania. I know. Yeah,
0: actually, I used to, I did a lot of my dive training uh, in Dutch Springs, which is in Nazareth near Bethlehem. Yeah,
1: my friends yeah. train for triathlons there.
0: Okay, yeah, yeah, did a lot of my diving there. So uh, anyway, got into nutrition and and uh, actually, I was very much into mountain biking. I think you're into mountain biking too.
1: I was and, just degreasing the chains on our bikes from a ride yesterday. Really? Wow! Yeah. <laughs>
0: And I used to actually mountain bike up that way near like Elk Mountain and some areas up there. Yeah.
1: You are uh, here in my backyard, man.
0: Oh, yeah. Yeah. So I was big into that scene. You know, lots of Gatorade, Cytomax. I don't know if you uh, remember that. I remember they still make days. that stuff. I don't, I they don't still- think
1: they make Cytomax anymore. But oh, no. when I lived in Colorado, did some racing. They were into the ha- – everybody was promoting hammer strength and all this junk. Yeah.
0: You know, I mean, it had actually – That got me interested in brain energy metabolism because it had alpha L polylactate, which I later went on to study brain energy metabolism. And because, you know, long story short, I did major in nutrition biology, then physiology and neuroscience for my PhD, but then I went on to my postdoc and studying seizures. And I, and I got interested in, well, I had, I was funded by the department of defense to develop neuroprotective strategies that could be used by military personnel uh, as a countermeasure against uh, extreme uh, environments. Right, and uh, one of the things was to fuel the brain with an alternative energy substrate. And I got interested in lactate, uh, and then ketones really drew my attention because some of the early animal work the military did on fasting, mm-hmm. showing that they could withstand like all these extreme environments with fasting it could delay oxygen toxicity which i was funded to study so i became very engaged and interested in understanding how does the brain transition from glucose to using ketones i didn't even know this was possible and i went to a fairly upper level nutrition science dietetic program and and even trained as a neuroscientist and didn't even know that the brain could use ketones so i was sort of angry like i wasn't given this information so uh, I connected with uh, different leading scientists. Uh, George Cahill's work at Harvard really engaged me as fasted subjects for 40 days and basically determined that their brains had the metabolic flexibility to use uh, ketones as an energy source. So in 2008 or nine, I became interested in doing this stuff myself. Mm. And I started fasting and then I got interested in the ketogenic diet. And then using this transitioning my drug-based research actually into nutrition and nutritional supplement research for preventing seizures okay and because the science was very strong i actually like everybody else i thought the ketogenic diet was a fad diet until i looked at the history until i went to pubmed and started pulling up like legitimate peer-reviewed publications and connecting with people at like johns hopkins so I sort of reinvented my whole career path uh, and brought back nutrition into my program and, uh, and realized the benefits of basically fueling your body off a different uh, fuel source. And I really was under the impression that I needed to spike my glucose every couple of hours to optimize brain health and performance and strength and all these things and uh over the years through experimentation on myself and in animal models and now we have human you know, studies uh i'm realizing that there are many advantages uh clinically operationally from military personnel maybe astronauts and also from a lifestyle perspective of employing and implementing nutritional ketosis i tend to do it continuously Ideally, it may be best employed on an intermittent basis, uh, but I think that's ultimately the end users, you know, needs to determine what works best for them.
1: I like how you keyworded that as nutritional, you know, ketosis and, and nutritional fasting, for example, like a lot of people, there's so many versions of fasting nowadays, I'll just leave. I mean, <laughs> yeah. it's important to clarify these keywords because like the people just go Google things, and they, they, they think all of, it, all of it's the same, for example, and I'm like, no, it's not
0: yeah that, that's a really good point so i think it is important though to measure and once you achieve an elevation of plutones above 0.5 millimolar uh and if say you get to one millimolar we know at, at just one millimolar you're giving your brain a 10 percent energy boost right mm-hmm. on a uh, uh stephen kunane he's up in uh in canada he's done some uh glucose and pet scan uh, it, it pet imaging using a glucose tracer and also a ketone tracer and can show that the brain can use both fuels as we age we tend to use glucose uh, more inefficiently whereas as we age the ketone uh, utilization of the brain generally does not decrease much hmm. so that in a way that can that ketone is not it's acting as an alternative energy substrate that can help restore brain energy metabolism. And we think that might be happening. That's why it's so effective uh, in epilepsy and other neurometabolic disorders. And when we're exercising or under extreme conditions, fuel flow to the brain becomes a limiting factor. And so elevating ketones, you could be done fasting, ketogenic diet, or supplementation, or a combination of all three becomes a way that we can sort of hack our bodies and uh really give us an edge uh under many different scenarios you know Uh, may not be ideal for all people but it's definitely effective for the things that i study
1: well i mean i i didn't realize all the studies that were uh, actual studies i think that's important to pause on right actual documented legitimate studies um are out there i mean one thing that really blew my mind was working with Vinny and the, the fat documentary project, that film, learning about Jim Abrams, for example, and yeah. you know, his son's foundation, Charlie foundation. Like I had no idea that foundation even existed. I didn't know the severity that his own son had suffered with through all of the uh, seizures and everything else that you've hinted at here. And it's yeah. like, well, that's all tied back to brain health. And they didn't think his son would ever survive. And now the, you know, he's, I mean, that, right, right. When you go to their main website, they, they show him as a young adult, you know, talking and teach and reading a book to kids. Here we go. Let me screen share real quick. There you go. Oh, yeah. yeah there's, there's Charlie. So I was oh, like, yeah. well, clearly something must have worked.
0: <laughs> I know Charlie. I've met Charlie, and I know Jim very well. And actually, when I did my TED talk, I connected with Jim and asked him if I can, you know, use his story in my TED talk. And
1: really, uh, wow.
0: Yeah. So yeah, we we actually, uh, I actually do uh, create some educational content for the Charlie Foundation.
1: Okay. Too.
0: And. We highlight the Charlie Foundation at the Metabolic Health Summit, which is a big conference that we have that discusses all the science mm-hmm. and all the clinical applications. And we have a lot of influencers and companies and stuff there too. Uh, but we do a, a gala fundraiser and, and part of the proceeds, uh, JP Sears is actually some of the, the entertainment here, I don't know if you know that, a uh, comedian. He, uh, uh, part of the proceeds actually goes to support the Charlie Foundation. So oh, That's awesome. I, and actually the charlie foundation was the very the first website i don't know how it comes up in a google search now but when you google the ketogenic diet back in like 2000 you know eight or nine when i first looked it up uh the charlie foundation came up and uh and i got you know very interested in i connected with the Charlie Foundation supported clinics, one was Johns Hopkins. Mm-hmm. So that sent me down a trajectory of using this approach for oxygen toxicity seizures, which are uh, tonic-clonic seizures. And, uh, and then I discovered, you know, the movie First Do No Harm by yes. Mael Streep. Uh, I watched that and I was like, okay, this seems like a legitimate approach. Maybe I can bring nutrition back into my actual, you know, funded research. I just have to get this stuff funded. So, you know, pitched it in grants and presentations and things like that. Ultimately, I ended up getting funded. And uh, on, I was studying oxygen toxicity for a while, but it really wasn't funded to do ketogenic diet research until uh, maybe the last 10 years.
1: You said that was oxygenized toxicity?
0: Uh, I, it's called central nervous system oxygen toxicity. Hmm. And it's a limitation of hyperbaric oxygen therapy, which oh, has yeah. 14 different FDA approved applications. It's also a limitation for special operations diving that use closed circuit rebreathers, like the Drager rebreathers.
1: Yeah.
0: Uh, at 50 feet of seawater, within 10 minutes, you can have seizure, you know, with oxygen toxicity. So, um, typically, these are used for shallow dives, just to evade the enemy. There's no bubbles. A limitation is that the high oxygen can. High oxygen is a stimulant to the brain,
1: mm-hmm. uh,
0: and if at hyperbaric pressure, the concentration of oxygen increases with each breath you're taking. Wow, uh, more oxygen in, and that can cause uh, a tonic-clonic seizure. We have no way of preventing or predicting these things, so that's my research program has a lot of it has been focused on that and uh, and nutritional ketosis, uh, either with fasting or ketogenic diet or ketone supplementation in the form of ketone esters uh, are very potent strategies for preventing these seizures. And it's, it's really a result of, it's, there's many things going on, but it's giving the brain an alternative fuel that allows the brain to function under these extreme environments. And it also changes some of the neuropharmacology of the brain in ways that you know, we're just understanding now.
1: So in, in all these years, have you kind of changed your general summation behind, I guess, seizures in general? I mean, because a lot of people, I know a lot of people have kids being born, you know, kind of like Charlie mm-hmm. Abrams, for example. And they they have these, un- actually, I can tell you, one of my old high school friends, he happens to be on the West Coast now. And I saw him post something about his kid and seizures. And he was at his wits then. They're trying everything. And I, I immediately just said, I'm like, hey. When you get a free second while you're in the hospital, like go read up on the Charlie Foundation. It might be the one thing that could get you in the right direction. I can't guarantee it, but I mean, what are your thoughts around this? Is it all just nutrition, right? Because we are hinting about obviously so many triggers from nutrition, how we feel the body, how we feel the brain. Uh, and obviously I don't know how that addresses kids being born already having these issues. I did never, ha- I never had a seizure issue. So uh, clearly somebody yeah. some are biologically more prone than others.
0: Oh, absolutely. And, uh, you know, the etiology or the, the cause is largely unknown for mm-hmm. most seizure types. Uh, there are, we studied genetic types of seizures or, or disorders, I should say, that have seizures, Angelman syndrome, uh, glucose transporter type 1 deficiency syndrome, like things with big names, pyruvate dehydrogenase deficiency syndrome, uh, kabuki syndrome, which is a genetic disorder where the ketones are believed that be epigenetic regulators that can influence and in, and potentially suppress seizures. So we're, I have a PhD student studying that now. Uh, and Gervais syndrome, Deuce syndrome, uh, there's there's a number, even Rett syndrome, we think. So there are, what, what's interesting about nutritional ketosis or a well-formulated ketogenic diet is that it seems to suppress seizures independent of the etiology. So it seems to work for most seizure types. Uh, but the ketogenic diet is only employed By an epileptologist or a neurologist, once at least two seizure drugs have failed. So they try one, they try another. Uh the interesting thing, as you as you talked about, you mentioned Charlie. Charlie followed the diet, weaned himself off after a year or two, and then the seizures never came back. Whereas in many cases, when you stop drug therapy, you have a rebound effect and you have more seizures.
1: Right. So
0: now that That fascinated me more than anything else, because that was basically implying that the ketogenic diet was not only correcting and suppressing seizures, but was repairing whatever uh, dysregulation was happening in the brain that was contributing, whether it was uh, metabolic homeostasis or transmitter levels, a wiring problem. Uh, We don't know, because the etiology can be different with different types of seizures, but it was fixing it for some people, what they call the super responders, and not all people respond like that. It's about 15%. Uh, and, but of the two-thirds of the patients that respond to the ketogenic diet, one-third of them, they have 90% seizure control. Like if a drug did that, it would be a blockbuster drug. It would be far better than any anti drug that we know about. Wow. Uh, if A drug could do that. So like, like no... I don't think any neurologist would argue. I don't even think pharmaceutical companies would argue about that. You know what I just described as the efficacy of the ketogenic diet, and if a drug could mimic that efficacy, it would be the but no other the other drugs would basically be irrelevant. It would be so powerful of a drug that this would be the first line approach. But it's only le- it's still because it's nutrition, and it's a dietary therapy, and you have to change your lifestyle and the food you eat. It be, it's still grossly underutilized. It's much more accepted and it's used a lot more now just because it's, it's you know gained a lot of not only science behind it, but a lot of publicity behind it. Uh, but it's still grossly underutilized from my point of view. And, then, and now we have ways that we're understanding the ketogenic diet can be formulated in less restrictive ways with more protein. We can get actually the carbohydrates in the form of fibrous vegetables, we can add more of that in. And also ketone supplementation and studies, you know, still need to evaluate, uh, that for epilepsy, but they're ongoing now.
1: Well, I know you're a big, obviously a big advocate for ketone supplementation, cause that's one of the key things that you've been able to help strongly influence. Um, and there's a lot of back and forth. I'd be like, like, well, do I look into it? Do I not? And obviously I know you originally, correct me if I'm wrong, focused on that design and that creation for the military, right?
0: Yeah. I, I was mostly interested in the diet and I still do the diet and I'm an advocate of diet. Uh, but they were more interested in the ketogenic diet and a pill. So right. I was like, okay, let me, let me try to do this here. Uh, <laughs> so I, I reached out to many people in academia, uh, strangely, interestingly enough, I guess you could say it was Patrick Arnold who sort of had a bit of a history and performance enhancing compounds. Uh, he was the person who was actually able to synthesize it oh. and, uh, and actually, this just came out last week in a in an article in The Atlantic, and it's got a lot of publicity, uh, how I teamed up with him and he helped uh, synthesize the ketone ester for me. So he he was like my, my uh, clandestine chemist uh, for <laughs> developing this stuff. Uh, but, you know, he developed an agent that was very powerful. And now we have, we're using that in a variety of different uh, studies right now.
1: Uh, so, I mean, I haven't looked into that in a while. Is that s- something that is at least accessible to the general public or is it specialized, like where's that at these days?
0: Yeah, so you can get ketone supplements on the market, right, so they're on Amazon, you can buy them anywhere. So the ketone supplements that are on the market take a ketone body, which is one of them would be beta-hydroxybutyrate, and ionically combine that ketone body to a mineral or an electrolyte. So that could be sodium, potassium, calcium, or magnesium and that and it essentially becomes a powder and you can mix this up consume it and your ketones are elevated and but the elevation that you can get with ketone salts are maybe about one millimolar but i did mention that that gives your brain about a 10 percent energy boost right so the ketone esters that that patrick developed for me and that i continue to use they they can boost your ketones three four five millimolar and they become they're more they're more in line with like uh they're in a gray area so you can't really call them a drug it might stretch it to call them a food i think we try to do that to get it past fda regulation but i think more more studies need to be done to look at the safety of these compounds i feel that they're safe but i think uh, to be safe because they're going to be used in kids they're going to be used for for different disorders
1: Well, again, you're hinting that these are for specialized cases though, right? Like a regular everyday Joe or, or, you know, out there just looking at hack life. I I still, I personally believe like, listen, you hinted at it earlier in the show, right? It's like, okay, explore a ketogenic lifestyle. Look at your nutrition. And let's, let's, let's pause on that too, by the way. It's not just nutrition. It's, you know, what are your circadian rhythm? What is your sleep cycles? What is your rest and recovery? What is your healthy lifestyle as a whole but a lot of people are always looking for that turnkey. What's the magic pill? <laughs> Unfortunately.
0: Yeah. And I'm a big Whole Foods person. I mean, uh, you know, before we got on, I mean, we live on a farm and we're in the process of transitioning the farm to do regenerative agriculture. You know, we want to. Exciting. I'm a whole foods based person that really strives uh, not to use supplementation. I do. Uh, I use, I supplement some things, but I take a lot less supplements that I used to take. You know, I had a whole cabinet full of supplements and I have like maybe Same four things I take uh, now. But, uh, but I think that, you know, I actually enjoy achieving beneficial nutritional ketosis through diet alone and then intermittently use supplements, uh, ketone supplements uh, under certain circumstances, especially I test a lot of things. So, and I test different formulations.
1: Do you do a lot of your own N1 stuff?
0: Yeah. So a (laughs) lot of time, yeah, I'm actually, if I'm taking ketone supplements, I'm actually doing it to test. Like I'm doing it to evaluate a different formulation or the tolerability or palatability or something different. So I do that pretty much on a weekly basis. Even when I'm traveling, I'll do do testing. Uh, And I enjoy that. And I, I like this idea of bringing... An alternative energy substrate to the market. Uh, my great game here is so. a Scooby here. Oh, that's okay.
1: Uh, I've got a big coonhound in the other room. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, and my dogs are keto too. So we actually, uh, yeah, just give them sort of uh, raw meat, liver, a lot of organ meats, and.
1: Oh, mm-hmm. I just, I, bats,
0: things like
1: that. I love the fact you brought up liver. I haven't bought liver in a while. And I just, I, I don't know what, I just all of a sudden just had taken a break from organ meat. And it's one of the most nutrient dense things you can get. Yeah. And I happen to be at a local farmer's market and this guy had, you know, big flash frozen packs of chicken livers. And I was like, you know what? Let me grab a back. Man, I gave them the Calvin. He would not leave my side. He's like, oh, when am uh, I getting more? <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. My wife is Hungarian and she, uh, they, eat, I went over there and they had, they gave me like a brain on a plate. Like they're eating brains and kidneys and, wow. and, uh, liver. I mean, this is just, that's what they have every night. So it was a little strange and it was about the same time I met my wife and actually started doing ketogenic research, uh, about the same time. Okay. So, uh, so now she got me to incorporate a lot more organ meat in, into, into the diets and, and even you know, when we grew up hunting and stuff, we would uh, well, the liver was like we would you'd give to the dogs. We would kind of save, you know, if we shot a deer, we'd give the liver to dogs or the kidneys, stuff like that. But we would never think about like eating the deer liver. We would just keep, you know, dress the the, the deer when we got home and just keep the meat stuff. Uh, but now that would be like golden. I mean, uh, and well, if you uh, cook it right way, it tastes really good too. Tie,
1: tie it back to history. I mean, I I underestimated my. I interesting. I should. Not, I, know, I basically had forgotten some great knowledge um, until a few years back. I, I got to serve as a wildland firefighter. I left the corporate space. Did that for a few years, and I had probably six to seven fellow firefighters on my crew from different tribes in and around North America. So, mm-hmm. and they they brought up their. It's like, oh yeah, it's not just some movies, dude. Like, yeah. He's like, it's considered wasteful if you would hunt and then slaughter an animal. Oh, yeah. And not use the organ meat. He's like, yes, it was very glorified in the movies. You know somebody in a movie like biting raw into a <laughs> into yeah, a bison liver but he said you can't beat the nutrient density
0: <laughs> yeah especially b12 and yeah and b vitamins so uh yeah liver is probably one of the i think liver maybe oysters and like mussels plant i mean
1: wait, okay, now you're talking
0: yeah yeah you can just uh you know if you if if you want it to if a You want to go vegan or vegetarian Uh, if you just want to do it like six days a week and just have like a a tiny bit of liver or like shellfish or oysters or something like that, you could quickly correct your nutritional deficiencies because they're so nutrient-dense, especially in micronutrients and and minerals.
1: Yeah, that's the only thing that's scary is, again, I'm not here to tell anybody how to live their life. Um, One of the goals of this show is to just at least – share as much knowledge as we can around the balance of health and your business and your lifestyle. And again, the business could also be, you could be just a corporate cubicle monkey. Like it used to be years ago and realize, uh, man, I grew up on a farm. Uh, So it's funny. You have a farm nowadays. Like I grew up on a farm. I I was born in Flemington, New Jersey. My dad had a dairy farm down there. And, um, now, I think it's a housing development. We did not benefit from that sale.
0: <laughs> but yeah, I knew Flemington well. I used to drive through there to get to uh, Allentown, PA, actually. Yeah. Well, because
1: Allentown, New Jersey is to the south, right? From there? Yes, yeah,
0: Allentown, New Jersey is to the south. There yeah.
1: And it's, yep. yeah, it's funny because I could drive by and I'm like, oh, yeah, Allentown. That's funny. So <laughs> yeah. obviously, ours is bigger up here. But yeah, it's, it's interesting, though, how. Again, people have these different lifestyle choices. If you choose to go that route, all I ask people to do is please do some research. Like, there's a quote I've used many times on this show. I'm interested to hear your uh, your voice of opinion on it. But, my like, guys, like, we're all personally and collectively accountable for our results. But I had something to show a while back, and he said, Listen, you need to become your own inner physician in life. It, the sooner we all get on the bandwagon with that and stop just blindly trusting a general MD and no offense. I have friends that are general MDs. I respect their passion, their commitment. My, my wife is not a human doctor. She's a, she's an equine horse vet doctor and doctor of chiropractic therapy for a large animal and small animal. But I mean, I, y- your level of education, your commitment, all those years, I t- totally and blown away by it. But I always remind me like, guys, like taking that accountability for your own health and doing some of the studies and the research. That's one of the biggest things I try and get people over that initial hurdle is like, they're like, how do you know what you know? I'm like, because I started studying this a long time ago and I, I just still don't know everything. We're still trying to figure it all out. But what mm-hmm. are your thoughts on that? Like people becoming their own inner physician, starting to at least do some reading, do some studying, listen to an audiobook. you know, all these variables.
0: I think it's absolutely essential. When I, st- when I started studying the ketogenic diet, I started doing it. And I remember presenting at more of a mainstream neurology conference. And, uh, you know, as I'm talking about the approach that I'm developing for these types of seizures, and I had mentioned that, you know, I, I, I started following the ketogenic diet and I'm, I'm about at that clinical level now. And like people were kind of taken back because they, th- they thought I had epilepsy. Uh, but this is the, before the ketogenic diet got popular, and it's like I had you know people question. They didn't do it publicly, but they came up to me after. It's like, ah, oh, see, it's so important you're managing your disorder. I was like, no, I'm just doing this because I want to understand the ketogenic diet. And then, through self experimentation, experientially, I started uh, noticing some of the benefits. Not in the beginning, but in particular that my metabolism has always been very fast so i had to always shovel food into my mouth you know every couple of hours uh and oh, I, was, right. uh, I was on a low fat kick so i was doing a lot of you know fish and rice and things like that and i would always get hungry but uh, but i started really uh getting the benefits so and i the more i started reading about it i was probably a little biased because i started reading about all the benefits of ketones uh from like do- people like uh, dr richard Veach or Mark Matson from the NIH, and and this literature was not; it was in high-impact peer-reviewed journals, but it wasn't really referenced that much. But I knew intuitively that this was giving my brain like an alternative energy, mm. and that the ketones actually were more sort of biologically available; they could generate more energy than glucose could, and it also had all these interesting, you know, uh, effects at Reducing reactive oxygen species and turning on gene expression, so I felt whether it was biased or not, I was doing my body a good thing in, in 2000, like nine and ten, and uh, and the lessons that I learned from experimenting with different types of ketogenic diets and later ketone supplementation, and keeping detailed records of my blood work, and, and also uh, then transitioning to actually doing you know the actual research in the lab. Uh, I was able to learn from the animals and then learn from myself and apply, you know, information in both ways. (laughs) So what I would learn from myself, the formulas that that were working for me, I would apply them experimentally. And new things that we were testing in the lab that I was kind of uneasy taking at first until we validated their efficacy or their safety. I would then try on myself. Uh, So it's it's been a a very surreal experience too to see a diet that really wasn't talked about or mostly marginalized become so popular if you just do a Google search, it skyrockets and if uh, from my perspective if you go to PubMed you see that skyrocketing they almost overlap so the PubMed starts to go up first and then you see the Google follow after and I I kind of believe and I hope that the science, and uh, there's a lot of misinformation out there too, but the science is really driving the popularity.
1: I agree with that. And actually, it's funny because earlier in the show, you mentioned like when you, as you just hinted, when you Google ketogenic diet, uh, the Charlie Foundation used to be very high ranking. Well, actually, the, the yeah. good thing is, and last time I checked, I bet it's still at least on the, yeah, it is. Hold on. Let's, uh, let's screen share to prove this to the video watchers. It got knocked
0: off a while ago. And it's not top three, but back. Okay. halfway
1: down. Right here. That oh, very good? good. So they're that's, still ranking on the first page of results. That's yeah. good. Yeah, that's very good. And, and well, there's a few other, and obviously Wiki's always going to do their thing.
0: <laughs> yeah. yeah, and then they changed the analytics, right? Didn't they? For like health websites, I heard they, a lot of uh, influencers out there were sort of complaining that they, uh, Google, they changed the analytics to exclude a lot of the sort of influencer uh, health, website. yes.
1: Which is funny because it's like, well, who's controlling the influence on? Like, who? How, it's same thing goes on the Facebook world too. I tell people all the time, like, listen, in the end, Google's going to change what they want to change. Facebook's going to change what you want to change. All you could do is just try and stay up with it, stay fresh with it, and just keep rolling with it because in the end, yeah. content is king. So keep putting out the right content, and the ra- the ranking will keep shifting. It's a it's a never ending process. Mm-hmm. It's frustrating sometimes. But. Yeah, that's really
0: good advice. Yeah, just keep putting out good content. And, you know, that'll gravitate and work its way to the top and sort of outcompete the people who are not putting out good content. And, you know, yeah, that, that's something. I try to do that with the website, you know, and kind of managing a lot of different things. But I try to consistently put up, um, you know, good content. And yeah,
1: people, I noticed. I, I didn't realize you had a team. Uh, I was actually, before the show... I was uh, under the, again, ketonutrition.org people. But when you click under yeah. the about, obviously there's there you are. But then yep. there's the wife. My wife, yeah. And But then she I didn't realize you had a head writer. Right.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's Christy Helps on uh, so many projects. Yeah, she's been like a godsend to us. That's my student, Andrew Kutnick. Uh He's now Dr. Kootnick. Uh, wow. He's type 1 diabetic and also does nutritional ketosis and gave a TEDx talk on nutritional ketosis. You can look him up, fantastic TEDx talk. And Vin too, is a new writer uh, who's super educated and passionate about this and we're excited to work more with him. And I have a lot of other- And he's an
1: RN. Yes. Wow. Yep, yeah. I love this. Check out the blog, too. The blog has a
0: lot of – they help contribute a lot of articles on the
1: blog. Well, And that's what I like. I've had countless people try and get to be able to contribute to my blog and my site. And I'm like, you know what? My blog's not that active because the podcast is more active, right? So I already have tons of content going out thanks to the podcast. The secondary blog is just another feed. But I said, you know, if and when I ever allow somebody to guess right, it better be the right person, the right credentials, the right background because – I don't want to accidentally stand for the wrong thing with the right person of alignment. And we've used this quote in this show. You'll appreciate this. It's like, you know, you are the product of the five people you spend the most time with. Well, look at that yeah. when it comes to your inner circle, because he said people that are, you're trusting your name with too. So.
0: Yeah. Very good point. Yeah. And actually we wanted to do, we're thinking about doing a podcast, but now I think we're just going to start a YouTube uh, thing for us to just answer questions because we get hundreds of questions and I could just, talk a lot faster than I could type. I'm a horrible typer. So I can just kind of rapid fire, do like 10 questions every week uh, or 20 or whatever, and start you know posting that on on, on
1: YouTube. If, uh, if if you have, if one of your people on that team is besides writing, the other hack here is do what you you and I are doing right here right now. Yeah. Way, way back on episode 50, I left Skype and I started using Zoom. And I'm like, listen, if we're gonna take the time to have a conversation, let's give love to both worlds. So we do audio and video. Because when I hit, when I get done with you today, hit stop and it processes the video. So I've already got a video file that without any editing, I can just put right up on YouTube. So that's the other thing to consider too. It's like you, you could, yeah. and you could also do all the video and then have an editor later pull all the audio tracks out and repurpose it as a podcast. So yeah, don't worry about it. It'll all happen. If you feel like doing both, you could do yeah. both. You want to start with one, start with one. Yeah, I need to
0: start doing, I mean, because what you're doing is providing an enormous research, enormous, uh, well, it's an awesome platform, but it's an enormous resource for people out there who are intimidated to go read like a scientific journal or go to PubMed or something like that. But I've had so many people contact me because they saw a particular podcast and, you know, their son had epilepsy or they had cancer or something like that. And I get, every morning I wake up, I don't know, I have, well over usually over 100 to like 100 to 150 emails after the filter, and then I, I quickly go through them and kind of, you know, sh- sh- you know, kind of delete the ones that I can't respond to. But I just get every day I get dozens of emails from people that and they didn't they're not reading the publications we're putting out. I could like do no podcasts and just do publications and no one would know this research. So I believe that you know these podcasts and information that you're putting out is actually saving lives. Like people, even people with like type two diabetes and and just who are just overweight, they're adding lives, they're adding years to their life, just uh, employing nutritional approaches to manage their health.
1: I I learned that a long time ago. I was a huge consumer of podcasts. And then it got to the point where I'm like, you know, I have an idea. I have a platform. I, I believe in this other age old quote, like, you know, you can acquire all the knowledge in the world and claim you're wise, but the only point of, true wisdom is being able to pass that knowledge on. So it's like, great. We have all these great ideas in our head, or we have the ability to get connected and get networked. And it's like, let's get those voices to the forefront. And you've been on countless podcasts, but like, what if there's that one person in my audience who's, who's never heard of you? And it's like, Oh my God, that's the research that I've been looking for. (laughs) So if you can get through to one person, how powerful is that? That's how I look at it. So, yeah. Obviously I'd rather get through to thousands, which we do. So, but it's like, that, it's a law of averages too. You're a science guy. So it's like, listen, man, sometimes you got to keep going, going and going and then boom, it pops. So yeah. I mean, I, I take a personal accountability too. My, you know, my father and my mother raised me on a farm and you know, then we moved out of farming and my dad and my younger brother still are organic cattle brokers to this day in central Pennsylvania. So yeah. we're still tied into it. I mean, I literally just got an email yeah. from my, I, I have a, I, I buy in on a cow every year, it's raised an hour and a half from here. And they just emailed me saying, Hey, it's heading, it's heading to slaughter. So in, you know, 20 days, hang time for flavor. We'll have everything butchered and packaged. Here's your bill. Like, so I, I now buy in and just like, just like when I was a kid, like I, I went back to the old days. I tell my dad this all the time, but my dad became type two diabetic like 10 years ago. And I said, dad, this is not, you were never diabetic. This was something that you triggered in your lifestyle. I was like, let's try and revert back to when I was a kid, and the way you raised me. <laughs> we had, we had a quarter acre yeah. garden when I was a kid, so we, yeah. I, I had I had a 20, 20 hen chicken house. I would I would sell eggs on the side of the road, and then when they would stop laying, we would butcher the chickens for meat for winter. My mom would take all the excess vegetables. She would can them into the mason jars. You know the, the sealing process, and it was just it was, everything was fresh. It was yeah yeah. But like, back to your point, Whole Foods, man. Like great, you had that background. Yeah. yeah. So that's like I, I had an epiphany one day. I'm like, wait, a minute, I'm just gonna go back in time and just do what I did when I was a kid. But I mean, nobody in my family listens to me. I mean, it is what it well, is. Hopefully, I
0: mean, you're convincing your dad. You know, he's well. The drug therapy is what they prescribe, but it's really a dietary disease. So it doesn't make sense to treat a dietary disease uh, with drugs. It makes sense to treat a dietary disease with diet, and it's it's lifestyle. You know. It's every, all the things that you mentioned in the beginning, but I think with type two diabetes, it's largely nutrition.
1: Oh yeah. And obviously it's harder as you age to yeah. reverse it or, or turn back the time, so to speak. I truly believe that biologically we can reprogram and I'm not a scientist. That's just from my observations. I've seen it. I've I've helped other people impact it. Um, I tell people all the time, I'm like, dude, I, I'm not born from like epic genetics, if that's what you want to call it, because yeah, I'm 6'4 and right now I'm at 190. I'm trying to get back to 195, but I've never been overweight. Someone's like, "Oh, you just had a lucky lucky draw." I'm like, "Dude, everybody in my family is overweight because of their nutrition and their lifestyle choices." So, mm-hmm. I just chose not to go down those routes. Take accountability, do the studying, do the research, self-proclaimed geek <laughs> about health nut. So, that's why I love rapping with guys like you on the show because yes, you're at the extreme level, right? You're doing the hardcore research, but people need to find out more about you guys because whether it's my show or somebody else's show, it's that if we get, like I said earlier, if you get through to one or two people, start taking accountability, do the research, listen to another podcast, go get an audio book. Actually, what was one of the books you recommend on your site? I can't remember. Um,
0: uh, there's a you, ketogenic uh, book ketogenic book, there's uh, a big one that I buy for all my students is The Art and Science of Low-Carbohydrate Performance. Yeah. Uh, and then uh, Dr. Eric Kossoff for Clinical, he has the ketogenic diet for epilepsy and other neurological disorders. We actually more- have
1: a lot of books listed on here, actually here.
0: Yeah, uh, the book. one, I wrote a foreword to First Do No Harm, and I highly recommend that for people interested in cancer. Yeah, here we go. I got that book, but I have quite a few books. No,
1: and this is what I appreciate.
0: Oh, uh, the top book is a really good book that uh, ketogenic diet, metabolic therapies. It's basically like a textbook of all the different, It's that's Oxford University Press. It's, it's very detailed. I mean, it's very uh, scientific. Mm-hmm. Uh, the one below, it's very good, the ketogenic Bible. Oh, yeah. I've not gen- read
1: that one. It's pretty good. Yeah, it's, it's very good. Do you do you find that's a little bit more digestible for the non-science-minded people?
0: Yeah, it's very comprehensive. Jake, yeah. uh, Dr. Wilson, and Dr. Lowry did a great job.
1: Yeah, uh, and obviously, I've I've had all of these Eric Westman. He was in the he was yeah. in the movie Fat documentary, so yeah. Um, he he's he was more knowledgeable than I realized. I was like, wow. <laughs> yeah. yeah, very knowledgeable. <laughs> yeah, you got some great. Re- See, this is what I appreciate about your site. I tell people all the time because I do online marketing. I'm like, guys, like. It may take time for Google to catch on to content, but content is king. We said mm-hmm. it earlier, right? Put great content out. Be consistent, but also make sure your site is not just a, a sell-all. Make sure it's a place uh, people can go for a resource. You know, oh, yeah. I could, I could look at, I could look at his tools, his suggested books. It's not yeah. just where you've been. I, this is you actually broken things down by diabetes, by cancer, by epilepsy. Yeah, I love it. This is great.
0: Yeah, and we're the website's kind of like a work in progress, so we have we have a lot of work to do on it. But it's just uh, it's it's hopefully evolving in the right directions. So yeah, we're
1: working on. It. Well, I'm giving you a thumbs up because I tell I, people all the time, like that. you could sit here and get the the that guilty conscience, or then you get uh, the classic quote of uh, paralysis by analysis. You know, I mean, you're sitting yeah. here just overanalyzing, Like, well, I'll just wait and put it out. Maybe now let's change it, guys. Like, there's no such thing as perfection. So just. Yeah get it up and be prepared to do some edits and do some tweaks. And you know, again, this this is, a, supposed to be a lifelong mission, right? Yeah. Yep. So I, I, something new that happened this past year and this help, help everything you're doing, I truly believe that you're leaving behind a powerful legacy with your research. So I'll go ahead and pat you on the back because you know, some of us are afraid to do it for, to ourselves, but I learned that from another great coach of mine a while back. He says, this guy's like, Again, he's like wisdom, right? Knowledge. He's like pass it on. He said that's mm-hmm. that's a that's a true legacy to live by. Is acquire the best stuff, get it out there, put it out there, help other people find it, and if you can save a few lives or help help people get live a better lifestyle moving forward, I think we're making, making the right impacts.
0: Absolutely.
1: So, yeah. well, l- listen, it's already been an hour. I can't believe it. Wow, that was place. fast. Yeah. Yeah, I gotta respect your time. Plus, I have another show coming up, but. I mean, you got so much going on. So, what is there anything new and exciting coming? Like anything new, kind of dropping in, uh, coming into two thousand twenty.
0: Yeah, you know, uh, I would tell people to check out Metabolic Health Summit, and I think I have a link to that on keto nutrition. Yeah, put that in the
1: blog notes too.
0: Yeah, that's going to be basically it's like the Super Bowl for all the stuff we're talking about. So <laughs> for uh, ketogenic diet, as it pertains to like clinical, but also like the everyday person and the basic science too. And uh, yeah, if you're interested in this, definitely come there. There's gonna be a lot of influencers there. Uh, it's in so LA. We try to make it, it's deeply like scientific and also deeply clinical, but we have an aspect of it where we have, it's very entrepreneurial. So oh. there's a lot of networking going on. There's a lot of you know, influencers there. There's uh, the Charlie Foundation going to be there. Uh, everybody who's anybody in the space is, is going to be there. And we rotate the speakers like every year. So uh,
1: how wow. many years has it been going it, on now?
0: So we did the first one here at University of South Florida, and then it just got it grew to be too big, even though we didn't advertise. <laughs> so,
1: uh, <laughs> oh, you got Rob Wolf there too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, and you had to move out of Florida. Now you went went to the West Coast.
0: Yeah, well, we have to have it there. Yeah, it's just it's just too big to have here. Okay, uh, we just don't have the venue, the space for it. So, uh, and it's we had to turn people away, and we're not even advertising for it. So everybody just wants to come. So we're going to have it there. We have great entertainment. We have uh, amazing speakers as usual.
1: Yeah. So, you got yeah. a heck of a lot. Is this, is this, the, is this the, the full lineup already on the site or is it going to be more added?
0: Uh, I think we have some more speakers like on panels and things like that. But uh, yeah, that's, that's, we can only fit so many speakers. Uh, and if there's people that you know that you're wondering why they're not there it's probably because we had them last year or the year before and there's so many people that want to speak we have to rotate them so but this is that's you know we only have enough room for for a certain amount of people
1: Uh, i I love it this is cool in italy i didn't even know about this and i follow all the keto stuff oh um, cool yeah we gotta advertise more yeah you know like oh wait how did i miss out on that one yeah yeah (laughs) this is great well so listen Dom, I always ask my guest co-host to kind of help close the show out and it's, it's not nothing crazy, but you know, what are some, you know, final all encompassing words you you want to leave behind to, to some, basically I'm guaranteeing you it's going to be a percentage of this audience who never even met you before. Now they did. So, but is there an all encompassing message you're putting out there as we close out 2019 and move towards 2020?
0: All encompassing message.
1: Uh, I don't know. Or just some final words you want to leave behind.
0: Yeah. You know what? Uh, I was asked that on a, on a recent podcast and, you know, we, I, I'm a scientist and I'm a data-driven person uh, and, uh, you know, do experiments in the lab, but the thing that I think is really the cornerstone of my health is really good relationships, you know, with my wife, with my friends, with family, and to really, like, prioritize those relationships in addition to learning, in addition to nutrition, and everything like that, and I think that's, that's key, and, and I think you focus on balance, right, and I think you have to take a step back and look at what's important and really put that at the top. And, uh, and then your passion for everything else would just, would just come through, you know? So I think for me, for my own health, mental health, and, and just help as a whole person to really prioritize those relationships is key.
1: I love it. Listen, hang tight. I want to give you a proper goodbye off the air. Yeah. Ladies and gentlemen, that was Dr. Dominic DiAgostino. All right. I promise you, great guest co-host and he knocked it out of the park. Again, make sure you check out Metabolic Health Summit, that's metabolichealthsummit.com. Make sure you check out ketonutrition.org and sounds like a site that's always going to be growing and always in changing. And remember, as he just kind of closes out with here, I actually 100% agree. All right, our relationships are crucial and you are the product of the five people you spend the most time with. So focus on those relationships, keep them close, keep them healthy. And one of his other final words he left in there was, uh, stay passionate. So, all right. Thanks for tuning in, ladies and gentlemen. Remember, we're here to fuel your health, your business, and your lifestyle. And Dominic definitely helped us do that today. So thanks for tuning in. Remember, you too can live the fuel. And we'll talk to you guys again soon.
0: Thank you for subscribing to Live the Fuel. Stay connected on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Live the Fuel. And remember, you too can live the fuel. So please visit us at LiveTheFuel.com.